welcome to Encouraging Others in Loving Jesus. I'm your host, Kim Smith. This is episode 211. Do you feel an urgency to warn others? When we leave this earth, if we don't leave as part of the rapture, we will have people who remember us for specific either things that we did good or things that were not so good. You know, when you think about certain names, you get a connotation of a negative, somebody who hasn't been involved in a cheating scandal or they have been convicted of criminal acts. And then you have others that one moment in history has framed how everyone looks at their name. Today we're talking about an urgency to warn others. And I, as I was mentally preparing for this particular podcast, I kept thinking about a very famous person who we know for one thing, and that was his efforts to warn others. And that would be Paul Revere. So I'm going to read a short story from the Paul Revere house. So what I have found out in doing a little research on Paul Revere is there, when we were in school, more than likely parts of the story were left out. Like, he wasn't the only one involved in the warning. He wasn't even the only one who rode to warn. And that has reminded me that many times the person who sounds the alarm and says, get out of here and saves many lives is not necessarily remembered for posterity. Paul Revere is, but when's the last time you thought about William Dawes? Well, I'd never heard of William Dawes, but he was part of the warning crew, and they both, as well as many others, helped to bring us as a country to where we are today. So, Let's look at the real story of Paul Revere's ride, and it's uh, the information is down in the show notes. So in 1774 and 1775, the Boston Committee of Correspondence and the Massachusetts Committee of Safety employed Paul Revere as an express rider to carry news, messages, and copies of important documents as far away as New York and Philadelphia. So I'm stopping for just a moment. He was a silversmith but he was very involved in the Patriot cause. So here we go. On to the next paragraph. On the evening of April 18th, 1775, Dr. Joseph Warren summoned Paul Revere and gave him the task of riding to Lexington, Massachusetts with the news that British soldiers stationed in Boston were about to march into the countryside northwest of the town. According to Warren, these troops planned to arrest Samuel Adams and John Hancock, two leaders of the Sons of Liberty, who were staying at a house in Lexington. It was thought they would then continue on to the town of Concord to capture or destroy military stores, gunpowder, ammunition, and several cannon, and that they that had, that had been 
stockpile there. In fact, the British troops had no orders to arrest anyone. Dr. Warren's intelligence on this point was faulty, but they were very much on a major mission out of Boston. Revere contacted an unidentified friend, probably Robert Newman, the sexton of Christchurch of Boston's North End, and instructed him to hold two lit lanterns in the tower of Christ Church, now called the Old North Church, as a signal to fellow Sons of Liberty across the Charles River in case Revere was unable to reach the town. In other words, Paul Revere wanted to make sure that this message got out, even if he physically couldn't go, he was counting on the light to get to where it needed to be. The two lanterns were a predetermined symbol signal stating that the British troops planned to row by sea across the Charles River to Cambridge rather than march by land out of Boston Neck. Revere then stopped by his own house to pick up his boots and overcoat and proceeded the short distance to Boston's North End waterfront. Their two friends rowed him across the river to Charlestown, slipping past the British warship, HMH Somerset in the darkness. Revere landed safely. After informing Colonel Conant and the other local Sons of Liberty about recent events in Boston, verifying that they had seen his signals in the North Church Tower, Revere borrowed a horse from John Larkin, a Charleston merchant and Patriot sympathizer. While there, a member of the Committee of Safety named Richard Devins, warned Revere that there were a number of British officers in the area who might try to intercept him. At about 11 o'clock, Revere set off on horseback. After narrowly avoiding capture just outside of Charleston, Revere changed his planned route and rode through Medford, and where he alarmed Isaac Hall, the captain of the local militia of the British movements. He then, almost, he then alarmed almost all the houses from Medford, through Monotomy, today's Arlington, carefully avoiding the royal mansion where property, whose property he rode through. Isaac Royal was a well-known loyalist and arrived in Lexington sometime after midnight. In Lexington, as he approached the house where Adams and Hancock were staying, Sergeant Monroe, acting as a guard outside the house, requested that he not make so much noise. Noise, cried Revere. You'll have noise enough before long. The regulars are coming out. According to the tradition, John Hancock, who was still awake, heard Revere's voice and said, Come in, Revere. We're not afraid of you. He entered the house and delivered the message. About half past twelve, William Dawes, who had traveled the longer land route out of Boston Neck, arrived in Lexington carrying the same message as Revere. After both men refreshed themselves, had something to eat or drink. They decided to continue to Concord, Massachusetts, to verify that the military stores were properly dispersed and hidden away. A short distance outside of Lexington, they were overtaken by Dr. Samuel Prescott, who they determined was a fellow high son of liberty. A short time later, a British patrol intercepted all three men. Prescott and Dawes escaped. Revere was held for some time, questioned, and let go. Before he was released, however, his horse was confiscated to replace the tired mount of the British sergeant. Left alone on the road, Revere returned to Lexington on foot in time to witness the latter part of the Battle of Lexington Green. And that is supposedly the true story 
of Paul Revere's ride. So why in the world would I start out our podcast, our biblical podcast, talking about Paul Revere? Well, there is a reason. If you've listened to this podcast for any time at all, you know I have a reason for everything, even if you have to listen closely to figure out how in the world I get from one place to another. And that is how today's podcast is going to go. Because our scripture passage, as we're walking our way through 2 Samuel 17, is fairly short. And only God could have led me to a story of Paul Revere and to a passage in Luke 16 as our main application point. So setting the stage, King David, he had reigned through the golden era of Israel, but he just wasn't paying attention to his own household. And it is falling apart at the seams. And Absalom, one of his sons, obviously had hatred toward David. And it appears to me that Ahithophel, who was one of David's advisors, probably hated David the most. And my gut says, per scripture, my gut says that Ahithophel more than likely was the one who plotted and put the nonsense into Absalom's mind that he should work against David and become the king of Israel. You're going to hear Ahithophel's name again today. Ahithophel is one sad, 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 bitter story. And then we've got Hushai. So after Absalom comes into Jerusalem and David goes out of Jerusalem mourning as he goes, Absalom has two advisors. He has Ahithophel who hates, hates, hates David. And he has Hushai who is a plant from David. And David has prayed that God would use Hushai to give Absalom faulty advice which will help David. And that's what we saw last week when we were talking about the different advisors and talking about getting opinions. Hushai gave really poor military advice to Absalom. But as we saw in the last verse, which was verse 14 of 2 Samuel 17, the Lord had determined that Absalom would listen to Hushai's advice and things would go awry. And we talked about the fact that what the Lord determines, it's, it is like, it's going to happen. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that will thwart the plans that the Lord has provided. And then today we see Hushai doing exactly what David had asked him to do. It asked him to be his inside person in the kingdom And then Hushai warns David to get out of Dodge, so to speak. And so in this, you're going to see urgency with Hushai. You're going to see urgency with the people he hooked up with, which is Jonathan and Ahimaeus. That's a hard word to say. And you see the urgency. And this is to warn David. Absalom is getting the entire, he's getting people from all of Israel, like all of the tribes, because that's what Hushai told him was a good idea. So he's going to have this massive army coming after him. And we're going to see in future lessons just how how many people died as a result of Absalom's 
nonsense and Ahithophel's bitterness. So here we go. This is 2 Samuel 17, 15 through 22. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You read from read along from whatever translation works for you. Hushai told Zadok and Abiathar the priest what Ahithophel had said to Absalom and the elders of Israel and what he himself had advised instead. Quick, he told them, find David and urge him not to stay at the shallows of the Jordan River tonight. He must go away at once into the wilderness beyond. Otherwise, he will die and his entire army with him. Jonathan and Ahimaaz had been staying at Enrogel so as not to be seen entering and leaving the city. Arrangements had been made for a servant girl to bring them the message that they were to take to King David. But a boy spotted them at Enrogel and told Absalom about it. So they quickly escaped to Baharim, Baharim, where a man hid them down inside a well in the courtyard. You can see a whole lot of people are involved in this warning, can't you? The man's wife put a cloth over the top of the well and scattered grain on it to dry in the sun, so no one suspected they were there. When Absalom's men arrived, they asked her, Have you seen Ahimaaz and Jonathan? The woman replied, They were here, but they crossed over the brook. Absalom's men looked for them without success and returned to Jerusalem. Then the two men crawled out of the well and hurried on to King David. Quick, they told him, cross the Jordan tonight. And they told him how Ahithophel had advised that he be captured and killed. So David and all the people with him went across the Jordan River during the night, and they were all on the other bank before dawn. That is urgency. That is a message of urgency. And you see See the hearts of Hushai, Jonathan, Ahimaaz, uh, the uh, the woman who covered. So we have the man, at, unnamed man, and his wife, and how they were a part of this. Does it not remind you of the Paul Revere story? Because Paul Revere was the mouthpiece. He was the one that everybody knows about. That, but he wasn't the only one with the urgency. There were others around who were part of the mission. And we see this, that Hushai is on David's side. He knows what he's just planted in Absalom's mind, and Absalom has believed because God ordained it. And then he works with others who also have that same urgency to make sure that David is saved from utter destruction. And you may be going, so what in the world does this have to do with my life? Like, how could this possibly connect to me in whatever year you may be listening to this podcast? I'm recording it in 2023. But what what kind of warning could it be? You know, I thought a little bit about just the last few years and how there have been warnings. There's been warnings of disease. Right now there's warnings of just messes across the world of very possibly nation against nation. And that is biblical. We know that in the end times that will come. But if you are a Christ follower, you have been commissioned by God to go and tell. 
And that news that you have been commissioned with is so much greater than the news of Paul Revere. It is so much greater than the news of Hushai and Jonathan and Ahimaeus. It is the only news that will matter in eternity. But I ask you, as I've been asking myself, do I feel an urgency to warn others? Or do I live my life looking at everything from a day-to-day perspective? Failing to feel that urgency in my gut that I may not have much time myself and or many opportunities to share the gospel, to share the good, good, good news with others. I work in an industry where I often deal with people who have limited time on this earth. So of all people, I should have more of an urgency in my personal life. I've been noticing more of an urgency, not as much toward people's eternal destiny, but I have been noticing more of an urgency in my heart, and I thank God for it, for people's eternal condition. In the fact of being very, very, very concerned about where people stand in their relationship to God and His Word. I have a heart to pray for, with urgency, the spiritual lives of those who matter most to me. And I'm thankful to God for that. But I'm asking him today for myself and for you to give us an urgency regarding the spiritual destiny of the people we come in contact every day. May we not make it to 80 years on this earth and never have had the reputation as Paul Revere of being one that was a loud voice of warning. That doesn't mean to be obnoxious, not that kind of loud voice, but one of those people that when you encounter them, you know that they are walking the right godly way. And either you want to walk with them or If you want to stay in your sin, you try to avoid them because the convicting power of the Holy Spirit seems to be around them. I thought about reading passages about hell. There are so many in the New Testament. If there is nothing else in Scripture that should cause us to have an urgency regarding our own spiritual lives and the eternal destiny of those around us and those across the world, 
You know, when Jesus left this earth, he gave his disciples not only the Great Commission to go and to teach and to make disciples, but he also told them to do that in Jerusalem, Samaria, and in the places that they didn't even know existed at that time to the rest of the world. If you are just concerned about me and mine and no one else, there are people, there are countless people across the world who have never, ever, ever, ever heard the name of Jesus. They have no idea that there was a Savior sent to die for them. And you may be called to one of those groups. You may be called to physically go. Are you willing? Are you willing to go because there's an urgency? And God may not be physically calling you this day, but you are called to be a part of that mission. I can give you great resources of how to pray for the people groups of the world. Over the last couple of years, that's become a passion of mine to pray for all of the nations. And so PrayerCast is one of those places where you can go in each day and learn more about different places and pray for the people. There are multiple other places. Um, What is it? Peoplegroups.org. And let me grab this. And peoplegroups.info. And then, like, start there. And I'm going to read a story. And this is our weekly assignment feature. I've asked you to read and meditate on Luke 16, 19 through 31, and the importance of seeing others through an eternal perspective. I'm going to ask God to open up our spiritual eyes and ears. This is one of those stories that can really cause us to be uncomfortable, and it should. It should. Because we have one life to live, and we need to be about the Father's business. We need to be sharing the good news with others. We need to be praying for the salvation of others. We need to be praying for the spiritual health of others. But may we end up like the rich man. Lord willing, you will not end up with like the rich man in this story and be in the pits of hell. But may we not have the regrets of the rich man when it comes to what he didn't do in this life. So here we go. Luke 16, 19 through 31. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, The dogs would come and lick his open swords. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead, which is also known as Hades. Then in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. 
But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Here is the part that should just serve as a wake-up call to us all. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, and I want to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. The rich man replied, No, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent to them from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, If they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. Now, this was a parable that Christ used. And... I can just imagine the faces of his disciples as they listen to this story. Parts of it they may not have quite understood because they still had a limited knowledge of the afterlife. Of course, we have a limited knowledge, but ours is not as limited as theirs. But I want to ask you, Do you feel a sense of urgency to share the good news on a daily basis? I admit to you, I do not. And I confess that in front of the world today. And I ask God to change my heart and to give me that sense of urgency, not only toward the eternal destiny of others, but toward the spiritual life of those who are Christ followers but are not living with that same urgency, that are not living in a way that glorifies God, who are not living out the call of Christ. Dear Father, in the name of Jesus, this lesson today is hurting my heart, and I thank you for that. Please, oh please, oh please, dear Father, anything that is in my heart or the hearts of those who are listening that is keeping us, that is dulling our senses to the urgency of sharing the gospel, for praying for the lost souls around us, to praying for the spiritual health, not only of those we love, but those who drive us. Dear God, I pray for revival. I pray for revival in our spirits. I pray that the church would awaken. And just like in the story of Paul Revere, risk everything to get out the message. Not the message that an enemy nation is upon them, but the message that there is one way, truth, and life. 
and that no one comes to you except through Christ. Please, Father, move even now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. This one was tough on me. And I'm praying that the same conviction will come to you. May we take seriously the call to go and tell and disciple. May we take seriously the call to pray for the nations. Whether you use prayer cast, whether you use voice of the martyrs, whether you use global, global Christian relief. There are so many different opportunities in this day and time to get information and to pray with knowledge. Please be about the Father's business of seeing others from an eternal perspective. Telling them about the good news of Jesus Christ and praying for the nations. Thank you so much for tuning in. There's information down below. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I would love for you to reach out to me at encouragingothersinlovingjesus at gmail.com. You can also find some information at the link down below that says I want to begin a relationship with personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's information down below about the hidden episodes of this podcast. This podcast is free for you to listen to. It's free for you to share with others. And if God lays that on your heart, I, I pray that you do that. You can also go in and rate it on the major podcast platforms. I was reminded yesterday, because I'm teaching from the book of Amos, Amos 8, just here in a few minutes, that in Amos 8 it talks about one of the punishments that God was going to bring to Israel was a famine from hearing the word of God. None of us know how long Christian podcasts, Christian YouTube, whatever it may be, messages that are about Jesus are going to be allowed on the airways. Please take advantage of them while you have them. Please take advantage of studying God's word and meditating on God's word and memorizing God's word while we have opportunity. We never know when those days will pass us by. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember, it's always a trust and obey kind of day.